The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We'll get started. So, good afternoon and welcome to the, I think, eighth annual time with this program. We start in different formats. Gil started it in 2012 and a group of us have been keeping it going every year since. So, uh, I know some of you, I don't know some of you, some of you have taken this before and are back for more. And uh, it's just great to see everybody here. Um, We've got, actually four of us are going to be the teaching team this year. I'll let Tanya and and Liz introduce themselves. I'm Chris Clifford. I've been involved here since Mo 95 or so. And uh, I I teach this program and um, various introductory things. And I'm also... uh, I coordinate the kitchen over at the retreat center, which is a great source of joy the last few years. <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, so our fourth member is Bruni Davila, who's going to be joining us as she can throughout the year. She's doing a teacher training course this year. So uh, probably at least two of us will be here on any one time, and sometimes more or all of us can be here. So... Um, For those of you who signed up for individual mentors, we've got that all penciled in, and I'm just waiting to see what, if anything, comes out of today that makes me need to change it, new people or something, and then the notice of who you've been assigned to as a mentor will be coming out during the week. And uh, you won't really necessarily be connecting with them until after the right view meeting, so maybe even late October before you first meeting with them. And one other thing to realize is that a lot of our mentors, Gil and uh, Gil's having a two-week retreat that starts next week, and a lot of our mentors are on that. So if you don't hear from them at all until early October, it's normal, and don't worry. And we'll make sure everybody's all hooked up by the time we get to the first meeting on Right View. Okay, any questions about that end of things? And if you're just coming here today and you didn't understand what was meant by getting a mentor or you've decided you want to have a mentor after all, just the, I'll keep the form live for another couple of days so you can go into the, um, the section under special events on the website and find the application form and, and sign up. Okay, You might let me know if you plan to do that so I have some idea that more people are coming in. All right. So everybody's getting settled. I think our first thing we want to do is have a... Oh, you you and Liz were going to introduce yourselves. Thank you. Please. (laughs) I'm Tanya Weiser, and uh, I want to welcome you. It's nice to see you. Many of you I know, many of you I don't. Um, Let's see, what can I say about myself that might be important to you in some way? Um... I think first I want to say uh, how what a privilege it is to study this path together and to thank you for being here because it allows me to be here, right? So um, it really supports my practice to share the practice. Um, it's very reciprocal and meaningful for me. Um, I am a therapist um, by employment, and so I do tend to bring that flavor to my teachings. So just so you know, some of you may resonate and find that useful, and others may feel like, "Mm, 
and I please engage with whatever is useful for you, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that this is one of the most fruitful things. Um, this this program is one of the most fruitful things I've done for my practice. Programs like this, similarly. So. That's probably enough about me, but I look forward to getting to know all of you more over the course of the program. Good afternoon. My name is Liz Powell, and I'm very happy to see such a nice large group of people um, doing this program again together because one of the wonderful things about this program is getting the support and the inspiration of listening to others who are going through it. Um, I've been practicing here at IMC since 2004, and um, I've done various things. Like Chris, I think I've been involved with this particular program for the last four years, and uh, that's been really rewarding. Every year uh, that I've done it, even leading, um, I've learned something more about it. So that's how this Eightfold Path goes. There's more and more to learn as you go along. I've also taught intro classes here, led the children's and parents' programs, um, served on the board. (laughs) If you hang around here long enough, you end up, since it's an all-volunteer center, you end up volunteering, perhaps, and it's it's really rewarding. And uh, like Chris, I'm now volunteering at the retreat center, um, coordinating a lot of different groups there. So... um, I look forward to working with you some of these months. I actually now live in Colorado, so I'll only be with you some of these months. Um, But uh, I'm here part-time, so I'll be delighted to support you in this practice. And with that, I think uh, Tanya's going to lead us in a guided sit to get started. So first, I I actually want to just invite you to check in about where you're seated and um, to make sure that you feel comfortable where you are. And if you want to move, please feel free to do so now to adjust your location. There are a couple of chairs that are open in the front row and off to the left here. And just to say that this is really important um, to me to take time when you're going to come to sit to make sure that you feel you know, safe, comfortable. You have a nervous system that has its own intelligence, and that nervous system is is well supported, and it supports our meditation when we, you know, take the time to set ourselves up well, with a sense of kindness and kind of attention, listening to what's happening within ourselves. The other thing that I highly recommend um, as you start a meditation is to take a moment to literally orient yourself to kind of remind yourself of where your body is in this physical space and time you know we live a lot of our life in our imaginations and it can be helpful to bring your awareness and attention into your physical presence your location you might even ask yourself what day of the week is this what year is this Here we are, and also to me, here we are in this temple, right, at Insight Meditation Center. It's an honor and privilege to sit in this space together and to know that everyone who walks into this center pretty much 
is doing so because they want to be present. They have an interest in being mindful and a path that leads to non-harming, less and less harm to ourselves and others. And as you reflect on that, notice what happens in your being as you orient to where you are and who you're sitting here with. Maybe take a deep breath in with that. And take a couple more deeper breaths. A sort of conscious way to start and help again the nervous system to reset, to relax, to come into presence. So consciously breathing in deeply, knowing you're breathing in deeply, and consciously breathing out long, slow, deep exhales. With the exhale, we can invite, not emphasizing, not pushing, but invite a letting go of anything that's not needed here. The to-do list for later, maybe it can be dropped. Just checking in, maybe tension in the neck or shoulders. What can be let go of? And then allow the breathing to breathe naturally, however the body wants to breathe. aware of this breath. Perhaps opening to the experience of hearing. setting an intention for this meditation period to be you know, find your own words here but to have this meditation be a period of non-harming a period of softening or increased kindness whatever arises. To notice how you're doing with interest, curiosity. Feel your feet, your bottom, resting, grounded, connected. 
perhaps using sensations as a focus of your attention. Whatever feels most supportive for your being the way it is here and now today.
And as we come to the last couple minutes of our sit, just noticing where you are again. Bringing mind, body, and heart together. Here. Staying as present as possible. One breath at a time. Creating a safe space for everything that arises and passes away. Maybe taking three deeper breaths. Consciously aware the meditation is coming to a close. Inviting the letting go of anything that's unneeded. Creating an open, spacious feeling Opening around with whatever's there. Turning the mind with the intention to open, connect, and be a little bit more at ease. Well, I'd like to say a few words about uh, what is this path that we've gathered here to devote some time for a whole year to walking on. So what's brought us to this 25-year, 2,500-year-old path that's been walked and practiced by so many countless people over the centuries and found, found to be useful and helpful you know, so what's, um, what's brought you here? It could be that, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of a wilderness of promises of how to be happy and what to do with your attention and how to figure out what's true these days. So it's so precious to have 
to have this time and this permission and this space and this support to really look inside ourselves and see what what is our own answer to what where is happiness where is ease where is peace where is truth what is it that's reliable in this world that we can find that's within ourselves and in relation to others also but how we relate to what's happening that we can find You know, there's the famous story of the Buddha leaving home for the first time. He was a very privileged little prince and he left home for the first time and had his first encounters with illness and aging and death. This is not part of the story, but it might have been his first encounters with people who disagreed with him or didn't like him or, you know, weren't weren't behind this prince business. And so there are so many ways where we kind of come out of our our bubbles and we encounter the challenges of life and then what where do we turn for guidance in this so the fourth messenger that the buddha saw was somebody as some seeker of his time who had found some measure of peace and calm and was just radiating a kind of joy and happiness while walking through in the midst of this chaos of life So maybe that's what's brought you here. Maybe you have some inner intuition that that's possible or you're inspired by some of the great beings of our time like the Dalai Lama, you know. Could be all kinds of motives bring people at some point in their lives to really want to look at what is the deal with life when life is, you know, it's it's the nature of life to include all all these factors of illness, old age, death, birth, happiness, beauty, joy, love, you know, um, not being able to perfectly control what's happening, all kinds of things that we run into when we start really noticing what's, what's going on with our lives. So people who may be in some degree of privilege may have been able to think that, you know, they can pretty much got it together, right? And everything's going along well. You can you can go that way for a while. But then that itself begins to be very stressful. It's a lot to maintain all your ducks in order all the time. And it, it inevitably doesn't really work, you know, and it's exhausting. And so how do you begin to really look at what that takes? So when these questions arose for Prince Siddhartha, who was not, the not yet Buddha, he embarked on what is called the noble search, the search for something that's not just another transient passing sense pleasure, not another piece of status that he already had and was already not enjoying very much. So what is it that he, that he set out to look for? He set out to look for something that would, that would be lasting. What's a reliable source of this kind of confidence and peace? So... You know, he went to all the teachers of his time. He learned a lot of he learned a lot of different practices. He'd already tried indulging in all the sense pleasures that he could get as a as royalty in those days. And then he tried the opposite extreme of all these ascetic practices where he denied himself and starved himself and tried everything. Kind of practices that were about escaping life somehow, finding a way not to have experience. And then he hit on this middle way which is the way to be with experience and to, to meet experience with your own internal 
your own internal processes so well understood and so well known and so well developed and cultivated that you're able to meet whatever's happening. So you can still participate fully in the world but not be just drowning in the ups and downs of trying to struggle with clinging to it one way or another. So if you're here, you're already on this noble search. The Zen tradition has this expression of a way-seeking mind. So you have a way-seeking mind, which is a mind that's looking for what's the way to practice. How can I actually practice? How can I use my attention and my intention wisely in this life? So what the Buddha found when he embarked on this search, the way he most usually expressed it was as the Eightfold Path. And that's, uh, it was the first thing he taught when he came out of his uh, period of meditation where he discovered this. And then as he was dying, it was part of the last teaching that he gave. So he gave it all through his whole life, the Eightfold Path. Often in the context of the Four Noble Truths, it's the Fourth Noble Truth, the truth that there is a way to the end of suffering. And we'll talk more about the Four Noble Truths when we get started on Right View next month. What's the essence of what he discovered? That it's really an inside job. You know, all of our instincts are about when we don't like something or we like something that it's, it's a property of the world and the objects and we have to get rid of those things or people that are annoying us or we have to keep and get more of those things that make us feel good. But he discovered that it's really in how we relate to these things and that we can start to look at that. We can increase our own physical sensitivity and our mental discernment about what moves are we making with our attention, with our belief system, with our, you know, our bodily conditioning. What moves are we making that keep getting us caught up in struggling with our experience? Um, And we can, just by observing what leads to more stress and what leads to less stress. Something in us is really wants our well-being. It's something in us has evolved to try to try to be whole and healthy. And as if we give it the right information, you know, by looking at, oh, look, this is painful, this constantly wanting things and constantly struggling with things. And, oh, look, this feels good to relax, to speak kindly to people, to have a heart of goodwill feels good. Something in us begins to learn that. You know, and this deep transformation begins to happen when we take the time to actually look at what we're doing and what's going on in our lives in, in these eight different ways. So one of the great pieces of good news for me is that what he found is that there's a deep correlation between, in fact, identity, between what's good for, what leads to freedom for us and what's good for other people what helps set the conditions for other people to be able to find this for themselves also. So I see throughout the Buddha's teachings these two points of view interwoven. There's, it's an important question for us, how can we be free and at ease without waiting for the rest of the world to get its act together and start being the way we want it to be? If we had to wait until everybody in the world was doing what we want before we could begin to feel free, that wouldn't be especially good news I think (laughs) so one side of this is that you can is learning how to to be with the difficult and the challenging and the unpleasant (coughs) and the other side of this is learning what conditions actually support that and what conditions support other people to be able to feel safe 
for example, and feel not threatened and feel able to have what they need and able to begin to open to their own path. And those things turn out to be these qualities of heart that are really the same. So what we're cultivating in this path is both good for us and good for the world. So just a quick overview of the Eightfold Path, what we'll be, what we'll be up to this year. Um, there's a lot of ways of translating these, and you'll see that they're all translated with the phrase right, like it begins with right view and right intention. It's so important to hold that word in the right way. A lot of people like to use wise, which I like better, but all our materials are written saying right. So it's important to understand that it means right for the purpose, you know, right for the purpose of what we're looking for here. So one story I like is the Buddha talking about if if you want to get milk from a cow, you need to squeeze the udder, not the horn. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel in my in over-intellectualism that I'm, I'm constantly twisting some, some wrong thing to get the right, the right quality out. But you really, you, that's the meaning of right, is this is the way that he's found useful, that he's saying is... is from a practical point of view, useful. So the path is divided into these three sections of wisdom and ethics or virtue, morality, whatever word you like for that, and then mental cultivation or meditation. So I know that I started with meditation. I didn't start with this path. It took me a while of calming down before I could even perceive that I was ready to take up the practices of this path. And I'm I'm still happy to have... You know, I'm on my eighth year, and I'm still happy with it, still working on it. So, um, but the path begins with wisdom, because you have to have a certain preliminary amount of wisdom to see that you want to take this up. You know, you need to start kind of getting some idea of what is the direction of the teaching, and how do you want, what is a wise way to practice? What is a wise way to conceive of the task that you're undertaking? So we start with right view, which is how to hold, you know, what's the world view that Buddhism is inviting you to adopt and to test and to try out. So we start with that, and then we move on to intention. What is your intention? And then we move into looking at, well, so where are we with all this? You know, speech is where a lot of people feel like the rubber meets the road in this path, where we look at what are we, why are we saying what we're saying? And then action, why are we doing what we're doing? And our livelihood, how are we spending all of our time in the day? How do we make our living? How do we live in society? And so it takes a lot of honesty and a lot of patience and compassion with yourself to really start where you are, you know, looking at what is going on. And the great joy in this path is beginning to get interested in seeing that a little bit like a naturalist looking at animal behavior, like, oh, look, that's what the mind is doing. That's how the body feels when the mind does that. And that's what the mind does when somebody says that. So you begin to just observe these patterns of conditioning and how they play out. And don't be in too big of a hurry to expect things to change quickly. It's really an information gathering and shining a light on how things are with you today and trusting that something that wants your well-being is is what you are and it will make use of that information in its own meandering way. So we're always looking to see more deeply what's going on. And then the last triad is 
really as we begin to appreciate that what we need to do is calm down and see more carefully. You know, it's like steadying the tripod of the camera so you can see more clearly what's going on. Bringing mindfulness into it moment by moment and so that you really can begin to transform deeper layers of yourself. So clearly it's a spiral, you know, it's not, it's, this is not a step one through eight. It's usually portrayed as a circle with a wheel with eight spokes. It's quite artificial that we take it one factor per month, but, you know, we have to teach it somehow, so we're doing it that way. But we'll be highlighting that they also, all these factors support each other and interact with each other, and, uh, and it's, it's definitely a spiral journey. It's a path that's it's a path that's like a way of life, you know, it's a path in several senses. Like your life is kind of a kind of a wilderness of potential and it's a path to stay on through that, to stay safe and stay stay headed in a good direction. So in a way it doesn't matter if you get somewhere, you know, a lot of understanding of is that we're not really going anywhere. We're here. We're trying to be here in a good way. Right? And so, you know, it's not a path in the sense of excessively goal-oriented, and yet it does. You know, the longer you pass, the longer you walk along, you find that it is transformative. And it is leading to deeper and deeper and more radical levels of transformation that you begin to get a sense of it, that in a way it is going, going somewhere. So as Gil says, we create the path by walking on it. We've this, we're going to give you a high-level map. The Buddha's given us a high-level map and a recipe you have to you have to cook the meal you have to you know walk it step by step and see what's going on in a very real sense it's a path through our own minds and bodies the kind of neurological jungle of our conditioning so it's like creating a clear path for life to flow through you in a way that's maximally healthy and healing and useful helpful to the world and eventually in fact Liberation is often described as nothing more than being having the Eightfold Path be the natural manifestation of how you behave. It's a, it's a training. I like this quote from Buddhist teacher Stephen Batchelor. He says, Nirvana is that space within ourselves that's not determined by our impulses, habits, reactivity, and so on that allows the possibility of another way of life, which is called the Eightfold Path. So we're really finding our way through all that conditioning to let this possibility of the natural goodness and natural well-being arise and carry us further. So what we'd like to do now is turn it over to Liz. Um, So one of the components of this program that can be very useful and helpful is breakout groups. So each time that we have one of these Sunday meetings, we'll um, have some breakout groups. But um, when we share in these breakout groups, it's not just an ordinary conversation. So this is also part of the work um, on the path with uh, right speech and with some factors that help keep things safe for yourself and for others. So I'm going to talk through a few guidelines first uh, to help support you. One is um, you're, you're invited to join these groups. You don't have to. If for some reason it's not possible for you, 
always know that you can opt in or out of an activity. But we'd really like to encourage it if you can do it because um, you have this opportunity to be inspired by what others share and to share a little bit about what you're discovering. Now, in your sharing about what you're discovering, you get to keep that within boundaries that work for you. You know, some people are want to share the very leading edge of what they're learning and that's very helpful to you know not just repeat a story about yourself that you already know but to really explore what what are the parts of yourself that you're discovering however you know you don't have to divulge private information um, if you don't feel safe doing that so please keep it within your own comfort zone at the same time, you're supporting one another with safety. And one of the ways that you support the other people in the group is that we don't uh, jump in and interrupt, you know, how in normal conversation people kind of toss the ball back and forth. Um, we don't actually do that in these groups. Um, we don't offer advice. We don't offer commentary on what other people are sharing. You know, if somebody wants to ask you for something at some point during this experience, you can ask, but um, in general, we're cultivating the skill of listening deeply to ourselves, to what we're saying, and also to other people and what they're saying. And in that deep listening, it's best to, if, if you have reactions that arise where you want to go, oh, I know exactly what that's like, I've been that through that too, or, well, I've got just the thing for you, here's what you need to do. If you feel that impulse or those impulses arise in yourself, which, you know, we've gotten used to in daily conversation, just notice that coming up in your body. Notice it in your body. Notice it in your heart and your mind, but don't act on it. You know, continue to listen. and con That's very fruitful territory to notice what things, you know, stimulate you internally uh, when we're in these groups. Um, so that's a little bit about uh, maintaining safety in the groups. And they'll have a little bit different formats. Um, sometimes you'll share in a monologue style. That's what we'll do today. So each person will get a chance to have a extended length of time to speak. Um, and, you know, that's an opportunity to stretch yourself and learn things about yourself you didn't even know until they pop into your mind and your mouth. Um, sometimes it'll be a back and forth. Sometimes it'll be one point at a time. So you'll get plenty of opportunity, and you'll get opportunities to switch groups and be with different people along the way. So um, is there anything that I missed that uh, concerns either of you about the safety or the um, way that we do these groups that help people learn from each other? I'll just, this is not really extra, but it's often um, people talk about this as one of the most helpful things about the program, is time sharing in these groups. And not every group and not every share is going to feel that perfect or rich to you, but um, it's, it's a beautiful mindfulness meditation practice to do it in the way that Liz has described that by staying conscious and aware as you listen and staying conscious and aware as you speak, there's actually an extra opportunity for deeper deeper understanding in your own self. Um, so, Great, thank you. There's a question up here. Yes, Kate. And we're going to, oh, by the way. Oh, 
Um, we're going to ask people to use the mic when we share in the large group. The reason for that is that some people participate from different cities, and they get to hear the recording, and it enriches their experience. Yeah, and you might so. be gone some time, and there'll be a recording uh, yeah. you can catch up. So thanks. Thank you. Uh, did you say that what is said here at IMC ah, stays? Thank you. Yes, um, that's a, a very important other point. Confidentiality. Um, we don't talk about what we hear in the groups with others, even others in this class, uh, identifying people or, or talking about people in any identifiable way. Now, it is possible to share an experience. Like somebody was saying that they have trouble with speech at work um, and they have a boss that just jumps in, cuts them off. You know, that kind of sharing isn't going to harm anyone. But I wouldn't say, Kate said, da, da, da. Um, so please keep things confidential within your group. And also, sometimes people don't really care to be approached outside of that little circle at the end of it about things that they've shared. So don't assume that you're just going to walk up and say, hey, you know, that thing you said, I wanted to... Just keep it within the group. And um, if you want to ask other people for things, you can ask, but don't assume. So thanks, Kate. Appreciate that. So um, with that, we're going so one, to... One oh, more one more question. Okay. Could we pass the mic along? Thanks. Thank you. Are the group activities specific to what happens in this room, or is it something the groups meet outside of this room? Um, it's the ones I'm talking about right now are specific to this room. So um, that's what I'm calling a breakout group. Thanks for that question. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is to form groups of five. So if we end up with an odd number, it's okay to have four, but try first for groups of five. Just find four other people, make a group of five, and you can be both in this hall and in that hall. There are chairs in the cabinet if you want to take some chairs out there. Um, so we're going to, the discussions will be pretty quiet, but first find other people and just move your chairs in a circle around the room or around the outer hall and have a seat together. Try not to go any higher than five. And you may want to sit close enough to one another to hear one another. Um, so some people have soft voices like me. So move your chairs close enough. If you, if you don't have somebody, come toward the front of the room and we'll... we'll Raise your hand if your group doesn't have five people yet. <laughs> Looks like maybe out there could be a five. Anybody else not have a group yet? Two, three, four. I've got it. It's good. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, go ahead and join another group, please. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to pose a question, and um, I'd like you to just have a couple of minutes to reflect on the question internally before we start the group. Um, so I'm going to be using the bell. Um, 
after we take this pause, um, and I'll use the bell between sharing. So what will happen is each person in the group will have three minutes to do a monologue about the topic. So the question is, um, what is inspiring you to take up practicing the path at this time? And so if it were my turn, others would simply listen and watch what's going on inside themselves. And I would, for three minutes, talk about all the things that come to mind. And um, I'm allowed pauses, and I'm allowed time to reflect as I'm speaking. And if I run out before the sound of the bell, I'm also allowed to be silent if I've said everything I can possibly think of about this. So let's take two minutes uh, just to sit and reflect, and I'll ring the bell, and then I'll give you guidance to get started. So reflecting on what is inspiring you to take up practicing the Eightfold Path at this time. to the class that will have the references to all these books and the website where you can find the one that's online and um, can I add one thing I'd just like to say that Gil's, Gil's written these two page essays for each one of the factors that are what's in this book and what we're going to be sending out online probably you'll just read it online you know if you can read something I'd say read those and then if you want if you like more look at the books the books are definitely optional, but Gill's papers are really, really good. Two pages. And it, it says, oh, question. You mentioned that there'll be a reading list that comes out. Will it have where to get the books? Yes. Thank you. Well, the ones you buy, you can buy, you know, wherever you like to buy books. <laughs> so Amazon. Amazon or elsewhere, however you feel about that. You can order them right. through a book. Yeah. I just want to mention that I have the yeah, I have Gill's book on Kindle. So right. yeah, and the Bika Bodhi is available on Kindle as well. I don't know about the Bonte G book, but yeah. so um, the Bika Bodhi book is available free online, but the other one you have to buy. Any other questions about the reading? All right. So next, uh, Tanya will talk to us about reflection questions. Um, so the reflection questions are what you are in Gill's book and also what you will have emailed to you. And you'll get a weekly email. And this has um, been called by somebody else, not me, but I agree with it, kind of the heart of the program, heart of the practice with this program. Um, so reflection questions um, sound something like this. What role do views have in your life? 
What is your relationship to them? Which views do you have that are not beneficial to you? Which views are beneficial? So these emails come, and they're an opportunity to invite your mind to pick up this particular quest, query, you know, investigation. My mind can either be caught trying to decide, you know, something ridiculous like, I don't know, what's the best color for X, Y, or Z? And then I find myself scanning for colors as I drive and go from place to place, right? Because the mind has gotten curious. It has this question, and it gets oriented to what's the best color, which is filled with a lot of greed and a lot of desire and pleasantness or aversion and not liking certain colors and liking some. And what happens is if you really take these questions and really hold them dear, they start to orient your mind to these questions. So that what you find is that as you go to the doctor's office, as you sit down to meet with a client, as you sit down in meditation, then these questions start to help you see your own experience with a Dharma lens. And um, there are things that you can actively use, like mm, uh, there have been times when I am sort of take this question, um, <clears throat> what is my relationship to my views? And I, I walk with it. I really keep bringing my attention back over and over again to, for example, this morning, oh, what, what view could I have as I'm driving here? And it made me think about different views of driving, right? So some days I noticed I got in my car and my intention, my view was I need to get where I'm going as fast as I could. And that ended up not being such a good view to have, right? Because I wasn't so concerned about safety and other people or being present. I could have a view of, well, I want to go to IMC and be a good teacher today. But if I bring that view here, then I'm preoccupied with what am I saying? How am I saying it? How am I being perceived? Am I doing a good job? It's all the selfing, right? Or I could come and I could say, I want to be of service. I want to connect. I want to sort of bring something to this experience that feels mutually beneficial. Mutually beneficial. And that creates a whole different outcome, a whole different way of engaging and being present. So views are something that, um, you know, we are born. We don't have any views. Views start getting formed, but do we choose them, most of them? What foods, you know, are right, or where we're supposed to sleep or not, or what we're supposed to sleep in? These things are kind of trained, we're taught. Before we even know we're being taught, we're learning views about what a self is, about who we are, before we even decide who we are. Right? All these ways that our parents, our communities, our families, our teachers, our schools, our TV shows start to instill all of these um, perspectives, views. And we grow up 
<laughs> and they just keep getting added to and added to. And this practice and using these guided reflection questions are really helpful at starting to unravel and uncover and start to see these things that are kind of unconditioned, essentially, that keep getting triggered in our lives that we maybe just typically operate from instead of being aware of. So it brings a lot of opportunity for seeing, for clarity, for discovery, um, for dismantling, (laughs) um, or for reconditioning, kind of adopting a a more healthy or kinder view or practice. So uh, I... I have found them deeply valuable and highly encourage you to, to really consider it a big part of your practice is to really take those emails and spend time with them and bring them up, you know, um, in a regular way in your life. So. Okay, so the third leg of the program is the mentoring aspect. And uh, many of you have signed up to have a personal mentor. It, I'm, I'm sorry to say that it hasn't worked out this year to have groups. So if you said you'd prefer to have a group, the timings were just all over the place and it did not work out. So people are getting individual mentors this year. And uh, this is a really rich part of the program. It's also fine for those of you who are not taking it that way. That's fine too. But I just I want to speak a little bit about how to get the most out of those sessions. So it's a time really for just to appreciate the joy of the Sangha, you know, the refuge of having some people who are headed in the same direction and interested in the same kind of stuff. And, you know, most of, there's about 15 people who are serving as mentors in the program and we've all been uh, around for a few years. Um, You know, we're just people who've been on the path trying to do this for quite a few years. And so, and now it's really interesting to us the thing is, we just love hearing how this works and how, how it's going with people who are looking at this and love listening to the difficulties and the, you know, the highs and lows of trying to work with this path is something that we're there to, to listen to and to support. So, you know, we're not gurus, and even though some of us are therapists, we're not therapists. <laughs> so we're not there, to, particularly we're not there to give advice you know, on how to handle your life situation. But the idea is mainly to listen and then to support this shift in perspective that comes from trying to look at your experience through these Eightfold Path Factors. You know, so it can be a a conversation about what you discovered as you did these reflections. The more you can engage in the reflections, the more you might want to take some notes, you know, if you like to journal or just jot down some notes throughout the month of things that were significant that you discovered or places that it's difficult for you. And, you know, we're, none of us are done with this. We're just happy to have a chance to do it again this year. <laughs> so, you know, we, what we can also share is normalizing how it is, you know, how slow the human process of change and transformation can be and ways to work with difficulties that are quite common. And, you know, so some of that... We can share. And mostly it's just, it's also kind of motivating to know that you're going to be able to have have somebody to share, somebody to tell what you learned and saw in your own experience. So you've got somebody who knows what you're talking about and speaks this language that you can talk to about your uh, 
what you learned about yourself during the course of the month. And you can also bring questions about the readings or something that you didn't understand or don't agree with. I've had very fruitful conversations with people who really just, you know, disagreed with some of this stuff and didn't didn't know how to, or didn't understand how to take it or heard it in a way that was painful to them somehow. So please bring those questions and have a rich discussion about whatever's on your mind. Yeah. Do the mentors hold on with their question? Is there a set schedule to where mentors and mentees meet on a regular basis, or uh, the meetings? Well, you're going to have to work that out in with your mentor. I'll be sending out the assignments this week, and uh, as I mentioned, you probably won't really be getting in touch with some of them until early October. So you, I tried to match, you know, your available times and your more or less neighborhoods, but boy, that's hard to do. So you didn't, you didn't get it all the time. So you'll just kind of have to negotiate with your person and find, see if you can find a time. And it won't always be able to be here because this is getting very busy here. So it might need to be, say, at, you know, a coffee shop somewhere, or sometimes we take a walk or something like that. So we'll have to be creative in finding a time and space that works. And it's toward the end of the month, ideally, so that you've had at least two or three weeks to work on it. And there's still time. There's still time to sign up because I didn't. I I missed yeah. it. There is still time to sign up. Just try to do it um, today or try to do it today or tomorrow because I want to get the things finalized. And what was it you said we go to on the website? Yes. There's the special events and daylongs, which is not quite the right word since we do it every year. But anyway, go there, and then under the eightfold path section, in the middle of all that verbiage, there's a link to the application. And you fill that out. It asks you some questions to tell us about yourself. And uh, yeah, there's still time. There's a few open slots. There's not, you know, not a... Anyway, do it if you want to do it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so also I just wanted to say, you know, we've put aside our time to do this because we love to do it. So please come. You know, there'll be months when you haven't had a chance to do the homework. You know, that will happen. We understand that. It's much more enjoyable if you just come, you know. We can talk about the subject as if we didn't know anything about it, either of us. And we can talk, we can help talk about what is the issue with busyness and how to find some time to work on it. So we can always make good of a use of an hour. If it's the only hour a month you have to devote to this subject, much better to spend that hour talking to your mentor than to not come because you weren't able to do all the homework or something. So, you know, do your homework, but come anyway. It's <laughs> the message that I want to leave yeah. you with there and and um, just along that line is start with what's easiest for you a lot of times when we think you know we're doing a new program we need to make sure we're doing it all or um, what we need to do is what's hardest for us because we've got to get better at that but you know research shows and my experience shows at least this is an invitation maybe it's not true for you but it, usually it's getting that wheel rolling that matters the most, and it's it's so it's easiest going with what's easiest is is can be a really supportive way to get yourself started. I'd also like to suggest that you take a moment to think about your relationship to things like school and teachers and things like that, mm-hmm. because this is for you. You know, this is your life, and it's really you've come to us to see what's in this for you. <laughs> 
know. And so nobody's making you do this. It's something that you've decided is important to you, and it's so important to keep that perspective, you know. And see if you can sort of separate in your mind whatever difficult associations you might have with schoolwork or anything like that. This is a, a chance to really explore what's what with your own life right now. Yeah. Any other questions, Any questions? I did want to just make one thing clear that I'm not sure. Usually we will end at 3.30 from now on. But today we have to stop this whole half hour early. So just, just wanted to explain that. So, okay. go ahead. So we will be ending a few minutes before 3. And uh, we'll take questions out on the deck because there's an, another event at 3. So this next exercise will be our last exercise together. We're going to do another small group thing. So when you're done, um, and before we go out to the deck for any questions and answers, please put the most of the chairs, this front row, whatever is left of it, can stay, but the rest of the chairs could be put back against the outer wall with the second row in front of it, just quickly putting things away, and we'll move outside, and really all the way out onto the deck. Um, to 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 finish up um, so that we can make space for the next group. So so take a deep breath. Just you know we're going to shift into small groups and just you just got a lot of information so just give yourself a second to notice that and prepare yourself to move and maybe you bring with you all of your belongings this time and we're going to make groups of five again and I'd like to invite you to choose five different people four other people that are new to you so please go ahead and move around as you did before thank you So as you um, take your seats here, just get, give yourself a chance to get settled and come back into stillness and maybe take a look at the people you're sitting with, again, to sort of just gently orient to each other, welcoming. And then when you're ready, if you wish, you can close your eyes and breathe and be in your body for a moment and the focus of this small group will be to share what ideas you have that will support you in engaging with these reflections these readings and the mentoring this month each month what will help you feel supported will help you remember what will feel easiest what will feel encouraging uplifting what approaches what thoughts what practices will support you just take a moment to reflect on this and I'll ring the bell when we're ready to begin. Yeah,
Noticing in your own body the impact of whatever ideas or thoughts and reflections you have. Noticing where there's energy that lifts up or tightness and tension or resistance. Just using that as feedback to support you.